Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, oh, sorry, <laughs> we have one more. Excuse person. me. <laughs> oh my god, I am so offended right now. You're, You're the most my... important person today. Okay, introduce yourself again. Oh my god. It's your boy Jack, but I guess I don't matter that much. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, I've never been slighted this badly in my life. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Gracie got a little bit too ahead of herself. <laughs> She's so excited I, I, she forgot yes. her special guest of the day. My uh, my uh, autopilot kind of went on today. So <laughs> Anywho, um, with further ado this time, uh, the Girl Taku today will be about asking Jack some questions about working for an ultimate game company. Because as we had mentioned in the prior episodes, Jack has, you know, worked on actual Ultimate games. And in our part one, we talked about sort of how the games impact on us, uh, personal, dating, etc. But this time we thought it'd be fun to hear from an experienced person within the industry talk about what it was like working for a company for us to ask our questions for him. So... With that being said, Jack, I'm sorry for cutting off your introduction, but hey, at least you get a whole segment to yourself now. So uh, can you start off by first, you know, talking to us like uh, if you can, you know, which company you worked at and how you got to working at that company and, you know, what was your overall experience like there? For sure. Yeah. Um, so I worked for you do say a Tomei company but they're Western romance sims. And I do want to make that distinction of what I worked for is a Western style romance sim. It's actually owned by a Chinese company. So that makes it like triply more confusing. But um, the games we were making were aimed toward a very different audience than your typical Japanese otome. And for this game, I worked at the company Crazy Maple Studio. Um, we worked on the game called Chapters. Uh, there are obviously going to be NDA things that I can't answer or things that I shouldn't answer because it's just like industry things and I don't want to get in trouble. But um, as kind of a disclaimer, I did work there for about a year and a half. It's not that much experience, but it is enough to get my feet wet and understand a lot about game design. Um, so a little bit more about my background and how I got there. I had always been interested in writing and editing growing up and that's something that these three know very well because i'm pretty sure I've, I've yelled at them about writing and editing and literature and all that jazz before me so, more than anyone you, here. Uh, <laughs> yes. yes 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 gracie definitely knows that and definitely makes use of my ability to edit things so yeah like all throughout um kind of high school and college that was the kind of stuff i was aiming toward and in college, I was like, oh, cool, I'll definitely be like an author or something. And then I took uh, English for one quarter and then hated English as a major and then switched <laughs> to communications immediately after that and never looked back because I hate English literature analysis. So how I got to games was actually just by pure coincidence where one of my friends was like, hey, come with me to the game club. And if you are interested in games and really like games, definitely look out for your like local campus having a club like that. Or going to a local game jam sometime because that's the best way for you to get your feet wet and learn about game design. 
So that's how I ended up getting into games is just trying it out and then taking like four classes because luckily I went to UC Davis, um, as did Isabel. Hooray. Um, Hooray. Yeah. <laughs> go Aggies. Uh, go Aggies. <laughs> you don't sound excited about Not that. Not in relation to um, my name, of course. So, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and it's um, it was just cool because they had actual game design classes, which is funny because Agnes went to Irvine and Irvine actually has way more game design classes. So I should have gone there if that's what I was going to do. But, you know, whatever. Oops. Anyway. Yeah. Oops. It was a big oops, but I didn't realize. <laughs> anyway, what I ended up doing was working kind of for the journalist for my uh university's journal journal what is it called newspaper that's what it's called journalist for the newspaper and that's where i started learning about kind of my level of editing and all that stuff and then taking all of that into account and then working as an internet fandom just somehow gave me all of this really weird miscellaneous skill sets where it's like hey look you took game design classes and have made games and you also know how to edit really well and you also understand how to write technically like in a technical fashion through journalism. So I just applied for like two months out of college. And then that was one of the ones I got to, which was called uh, the actual role was called narrative designer or story editor. And it was kind of a mix of all of those things where at this company, you were expected to take a script and edit it as you know, you would expect that that would be 50% of your job. Um, but a lot of what an editor does is also kind of project management and people management where I worked with freelancers and I needed to kind of track their deadlines and schedules and make sure that they're actually learning how to do our style of, you know, writing and all that jazz. And even some of the more interesting ones aspects are like doing copy copywriting, which is why you needed technical skills or like doing social media related writing. So even before I even get to the actual content that I worked on, there was a lot of weird angles and paths that you get there. And I think that's really cool about the creative sphere, whether you're a writer, an artist, or some sort of like other type of designer, you can just have this really random kind of like potpourri of skills. And depending on what your interests are and what industry you're interested in, it could work out like just perfectly fine. And I think that's a really cool, you know, aspect of, I don't know what people are doing these days with their jobs. Like, you don't go to one job anymore and get stuck there for the rest of your life. It's just like, oh, you can bounce around. I guess you should bounce around, but you could bounce around. So that's, uh, I guess that's the start of my journey to the Otome game. And you mentioned how you had to work with freelance writers and stuff. So there are multiple yeah. writers for your game then that you worked on, correct? That depends on the company. For this particular company, I worked with one. I generally worked with one writer. It was a kind of writer editor combo. And I don't know how normal that is across different companies. I do. I am aware that some of them have sort of writers rooms where you have a bunch of writers slash editors kind of coming in and designing the narratives from scratch. But the interesting thing about chapters was it is um, like 90% adaptation. So oh. every single time you've heard me going on and on about Harlequin romances, the only reason why I know this is because um, chapters adapts Harlequin romances, which is, I think that's pretty oh, normal. Like some uh, other companies adapt, I think other companies will adapt like Chinese web novels or like other, 
you know, other manga or like different types of things like that. Um, so ours were Harlequin romances because that was the audience that we were gunning for. That's kind of where all of my knowledge about that goes, because the I guess I can go into the process of kind of making this in a very like high level way where kind of step one was figuring out what book you wanted, like what book would sell. And then you'd have to read through the book. Your freelancer would have to read through the book. The two of you would come together, design a narrative outline and basically figure out um, this is the main character. This is her love interest. It was always going to be a her love interest. I think they only recently added like men as main characters. This is like how they meet. This is the like, you know, how I've talked about meet cutes before. It's like this is the meet cute. This is like here are all of your emotional beats. So obviously Gracie knows this is a novelist, but then it's it's done a little differently in a game design sense because it, you you want to be engaged episode by episode or chapter by chapter however it's um, written so every single episode basically has like a mini arc of like rising action climax and then falling action like every single episode needs to have that mini version i guess it's kind of like like a 23 minute tv show where it needs to have that same flow to keep you coming in for next week or like next time so we would do the outline and then the script writer would write it all out. Um, according to that outline, I would give my feedback. I would edit the script. Most A lot of my time was spent editing the script. And then we would do um, a QA session. So then we would test the game. And then the other part of it, kind of parallel to all of this happening, is working with the art team to design characters, to design backgrounds, to design, like, everything in the game I, anything art related oh the cover of course the cover is one of the most important parts of the game so then that's kind of like the the main th production part and then it eventually goes live and then after that you just do a lot of really boring numbers analysis <laughs> on yeah it's really boring but it's just like you look at all of the you know choices that all the players made did they want to i don't know i don't know what a good example is but it's just like you know how the freemium model works. So then most of the time you would be looking at, oh, um, here was where a, what's it called? Premium choice came up. This is where people decided to, yes, I want to go on a date with the main character or the love, main love interest. Or no, I'm going to avoid this like special content. So that's the kind of stuff that you would, I guess, look, look at um, in terms of the numbers. Like that seems pretty, I think that seems like a pretty straightforward thing. So it kind of was like that. But then you had like three projects at a time and it was, those were all pretty intensive projects, in my opinion. But yeah, I think that's kind of like the, the workflow of it. You you take a book, you stare at the book for a little bit, and then you try to turn that into a visual novel. And the I guess the main issue is that it's not really a one-to-one. -one. As you guys know from seeing manga or light novels adapted into anime, which, you know, full-length chapters are very different than a 20-something minute uh, TV show, pacing is very different. So that's kind of one of the most... I guess mind-boggling things to figure out because as I was saying with like how every single chapter needs kind of that arc of of like motion chapters in a book don't necessarily need that same type of pacing because it's a little slower and then tv shows are even shorter than probably what you would do on reading through um reading through an app or something so I don't know it's just a lot of really interesting learning for that type of workflow you mentioned the art, which I wasn't expecting. Like, did you get a say in like rejecting the art and saying you don't think it fits mm -hmm. and stuff like that? Wow. Um, I mean, to an extent. So part of how we made it work was providing kind of specific references or like providing 
very like characteristics or like the detailing what we wanted. So it was really up to us um, or, you know, the book, like because obviously you want to make one of the love interests at least semi accurate to what the original story says they look like. So usually the idea was, oh, let's make one of them look like the main character or the main love interest of the book. Let's make one main character look like the main character of the book. So just in case you wanted to play it kind of as true to story as you wanted to, you could. But then the rest of the artwork was kind of like up to us, where we just gave suggestions. And our and the artists that I worked with, at least, were very good that they knew what to do with our suggestions. And then if they if we had any errors where they were just like, that's a terrible idea, you should do it like this, then I would be like, oh, yeah, I trust you. You're right. That is a terrible idea. And I should do it like that. So we did have a lot of say, but we also, well, I, at least, I also deferred to the artists a lot where if they thought, oh, that's not going to sell or, oh, that doesn't look right on this character model or something like that, especially with outfits, which, you know, outfits are very pretty and that's what people want to pay for. Or it's just something that just looks really cute and you want it on your character. Those are the ones that I'm very terrible at because I don't know fashion. So that's the that's definitely the one where the artists were very good about their style and I definitely deferred to them a lot or like I deferred to my coworkers, and I was just like what's a really cute dress for this type of scene like that those are the types of things where it's like a big collaboration and then specifically for cover art that one was the one where you kind of pour over for a couple days and you just think you just kind of stare at cover art for a while and think about it and it's just like okay so what design do we want like what's the most eye-catching design or what's the most true to the real story design and then for me, my favorite, my favorite cover was actually doing one that was inspired by Oran High School Host Club. Oh my gosh! Wow, <laughs> it's, it's a really okay. good cover. I but the thing is, is that our audience just—I don't think our audience understood that at all. Oh no! And, no, it's, it's the wrong audience, right? Like I said, that these are people who are reading Harlequin romances and are aren't into anime or manga, so it's the wrong audience. But I just had a lot of fun telling my artist to. I just told him, I was like, can you make it look like Oran High School Host Club? Because it's like kind of a harem story. Um, it wasn't a harem story, but it was kind of a harem story. Um, and he did it. It looks great. <laughs> but it would never went into publication, right? No, it I did. Uh, it, oh, it it's, did. It's, the, it's, a, it's the... a cover. It's a co-ed, C-O-E-D. If you want to okay. play it, go ahead. It's not a very... I'll look it up right now <laughs> All right. as you keep talking because I'm very curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I don't. I don't know if you'll find it. In a co-ed chapters game. Um, I don't know what to say about it. It just. It looks. It looks hilarious. And I was just like, this is everything I've ever wanted. In my oh jeez, it kind of does. Wait, oh, share God. it. Share I'm it in the chat. It. <laughs> it's. It's the way that the characters are positioned makes yeah. it look very much like Orin High School Host Club and the chandelier that's in the background. So it's so funny because. Oh, it does. Oh I my just, gosh! I see it. Mm, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I told them I told him to make it look like Oran High School Club as much as he could, and he did. And I was just like, "Oh, this is great." Um, Mingo looks hot, but by I the think way. <laughs> oh, Agnes approves. I think, seriously, I we had to work she really looks like hard. Greta on a from lot of, Castlevania. What was that? She looks like Greta from Castlevania, and I'm like, "Yeah, she looks hot." Oh, Greta, <laughs> why was, not? <gasps> Greta was so hot in Castlevania. Yes. Like brown skin girl power. Hell oh yeah! Oh my gosh, she she's so hot. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna get off topic if no, we do that. Sorry, that, that's actually super super useful for me because um, that's one of the things that we were testing with that background or with that cover. We were testing POC characters on covers. That's one of the things that we were testing a lot 
at chapters. And that, I, I oh, apologize okay. if that sounds super racist of me to say it like that. But that is something that you would take into consideration uh, when it comes to cover art. Because it's just like what's going to what will make the audience and the players click on your cover. And sometimes it's, it's really sad. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes if you put POC characters on your covers, people don't click on them. That's, that's like the saddest. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But that's the statistic, unfortunately. unfortunately. That's, you're just like, oh, that makes sense, though. Or at least when I when I heard that, I was like, hmm, I can see that. And I was like, dang, that's unfortunate. And especially it sucks, too, because it's a I think it's it's one of those things where it's a vicious cycle where if you just keep not putting TLC characters or whatever, whoever characters in media or on covers like that, you're never going to change that opinion. Um, but so it's really useful for me to be like, oh, you like the that a character had brown skin on the cover. And I was just like, that's good, because I was <laughs> that's something I hope for whenever I see, you know, game art like that and. I think that was definitely something we were trying very hard to strive for with the art to try our best to make diverse covers and diverse character designs, but you didn't you didn't always get that. I'm really surprised by the amount of sort of business thinking you had to do because I I, oh, I guess like cuz really in my head, you know, I almost am like, "Oh, you don't really have to think about business. You just have to look at the story and edit and let that be it. And, you know, that's like the extent of your thoughts. And so when you're talking about how you have to decide on cover art and whether it appeals to, like, your audience that you're going for and, you know, like you were talking about the unfortunate things of having people of color on the cover will actually make people click less, which is stupid, by the way. But, you know, um, like all that stuff. I mean, you're right. You're right. It's like all that stuff, like I would not have expected that to be part of your job description, you know, like with your job title. <laughs> oh, definitely. I I don't think I didn't expect that going into this type of work. And again, to be clear, this was my first full time job. And my expectation was, "Ooh, cool. I get to make a romance in like that. That was literally my first my straight up expectation of this job. I get to walk in here and make games that I really really enjoyed and like spoiler alert i burnt out of doing this job and it made me hate romance sims for a long time because i just like equated it with that burnout and i was thinking of games and mobile games and all of that as burnout so it's a really it's a lot of fun to do it's just super interesting to experience it yourself because you think that it's going to be a really cool experience and then when you get into it it just becomes almost an emotional burden. I think that sounds like a really heavy way of putting it. But it's one of those things where someone will tell you you should do the thing that you're second or third most excited about or like third most passionate about. Because the first thing that you do, it might be very disappointing, which oh. is that's not encouraging at all. But I was just like <laughs> that. I felt that a little bit with this and mobile games aren't e like specifically mobile games aren't my passion. I prefer, you know, console games or like PC games. But just being in something related to the games industry was very heartbreaking and then seeing this be kind of normal whether you're at the mobile level or at the indie level or at the triple a console level that this kind of treatment is pretty normal and i don't know i kind of that that went on a completely different line of thinking than your original question about the like business practices part so i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to that real quick and answer that so that one is kind of fascinating because again 
I didn't go in knowing any of that. So part of my crash course was learning that and like learning how to look at data and doing data analysis to understand what to do next or what to try next. So a lot of the a lot of the pieces that I had were books that typically underperformed compared to the top selling genres. I'm not going to I'm not going to specify what any of these are because that's NDA, but I will say that all of the genres that I had were generally underperforming ones. So when you have to look at that, I I gave myself a little bit more freedom to try a lot of weird things and just tried to do as many fun choices or like just weird choices or references to like Disney movies choices that I could do and just see what, you know, the smaller sample size would be interested in clicking on. That was like sort of the fun that I had at the beginning of my job. And then as I learned more about the business practices, about the data, about what sells, it turned more into, okay, how can I make this sell rather than how, how can I make this choice fun? So that was the part that I grappled with, like I, f I failed to grapple with well, because I was like, but I want to make it more interesting or more fun or like more like this. Um, but like, that's, that's a very, it's, it's not, it's not contradictory, but it's almost contradictory to how that works because it's like you want to give them something that they are familiar with but it's a little new but you want to make sure that they can like try something new so that you can try to sell them more of that new thing so i don't want to say formulaic but the workflow felt formulaic i don't know if the stories were formulaic well they literally were because they're harlequin romances but you know what i mean in terms of i don't know if the like literal adaptation version of that became formula. Okay, so my last question before I hand it off to the other two to no ask questions. <laughs> so obviously you've played Ultimate Games before and what you've worked on is Western Romance Simulations. So right. based on the game design, aside from the fact that one clearly does not have like anime art <laughs> associated with the story, um, what's That's the difference fair. between the two? Like we were talking about in the last episode about kind of tropes and like character types mm. definitely that's one of the biggest differences um. so you have yeah you have a lot of the same tropes you really do like the asshole with a heart of gold is the same whether you're talking to a western audience or a, or a japanese or eastern audience like that's it's the same person he's an asshole with a heart of gold and you want to save his butt um but there are actually i think this month might still be common. But one of them, one of the biggest ones that's um, popular would have been like the CEO or your boss one. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then, I don't know, for some reason, people really like the bottom power dynamic of that. Or they're just like, oh, I'm the secretary to my boss, but I get to screw him. And I'm just like, I don't, I, I don't know what the appeal is there, but that's a really, that's a popular one. Um, but I think it's just, I think it's really just the character dynamics and how, how the meat cute flows too, because a lot of the th sort of typical rom-com or like romantic dramas that you see in anime doesn't really happen as much. Oh, uh, the other big one is at least in terms of rom-com versus Harlequin romances, Harlequin romances are almost always going to be adults. I feel like anime rom-coms are definitely teenagers and high schoolers. Mm, yeah. Um, Otome does do older I say older, but those are those people are just in their twenties. Um, yeah, they're like nineteen. They're like, they're I think they're nineteen. They're yeah, yeah. Oh, like oh, barely man. legal. Yeah, evil. Um, no, everyone is 
everyone is legal in chapters games, I'm pretty sure. I worked on I worked on two of them that were YA. I think those were the only ones that were YA. One of them was a mermaid, it was great. The yeah, I don't know. I think that's kind of like the main one that I would think of. It's kind of just like the the character differences. Where what is appealing to a Western audience is not appealing to a Japanese audience, for example, like certain, you know, character designs too, or clothing designs or premises. Like BDSM was a really big premise or a really popular Harlequin romance premise. I have no idea if that's popular in Japan, but that's just one that I'm thinking of that. It's pretty popular it in okay. Japan. You get, you, well, Everyone likes it, but then, it I guess. Yeah, but it's less mm. of a like a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of thing, most and it's more of like Fifty Shades. Huh? Most I don't think I think Fifty Shades is not the greatest BDSM comparison. No, it's so. not. But <laughs> in terms of like what's a popular like misconception for a trope in the U.S., I think the the BDSM trope of like the what's represented in Fifty Shades of Grey, which is probably inaccurate, but appeals a lot to the Western audience. But for the Japanese audience, I feel like the BDSM aspect is supposed to be something like more dark and twisted that pops up like midway or near the end, where it takes like a massive unexpected twist of the character's personality, rather than it be kind of integrated as part of their trope from the beginning. I have a question. Interesting. And, yes. and I only say oh. this because I'm comparing it between like Fifty Shades of Grey and Amnesia. <laughs> did you play Amnesia? Is that how you know Agnes? Cause I did was not like... play Amnesia. Okay, I did not play Amnesia. I know people who played it and I've seen screenshots. Okay, I do like very minimal research. I don't actually play these things because I'm very scared of actually playing them. But I also kind of got a brief like look into that while playing Mystic Messenger because I looked up spoilers for it. Mm-hmm. For one of the characters is apparently like kind of psychotic um so yeah it's it's a little bit unnerving to kind of see that in the video games even if it's uh an actual spoiler that's there's a completely different topic but that's very disappointing that that's how bdsm is always portrayed in media no matter where yeah (laughs) i also kind of like tangent aside it's just it's just you know it being done properly is just a very different i don't know it's the comforting relationship it's, between yeah. two individuals who are consensually doing something. It's not anything that... Anyway, different rant, tangent. What were we talking about again? Character tropes. Character tropes. The difference between Western romance simulations and Ultimate Games, specifically. Yeah. I don't... So I, I guess, like, I guess that it's was not that the much point of a difference then, huh? I guess it's just the way that it's portrayed and... Maybe the I guess it's just the details then the details that probably the details on the the clothing because yeah. I was looking at the 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 co-ed like story options for cut like clothing design and I can definitely see like it's definitely inspired from more Americanized Absolutely. styles yeah. for young women or adult working women versus if you look at magazine styles for like anime girls or just like just general Japanese models it's very different right it has uh the Japanese models tend to have and it's very similar across the eastern uh Asian models like Korean or Chinese as well you know long flowing skirt you know cute blouses and stuff like that in the west we don't really have that much of like long flowing skirts yeah, I would um, like, say like, that's shoes. not a preference in fashion style, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not a preference or fashion style in at least in the US, but it's definitely like a big thing in Korea mm. of like the ch- like the really chunky tennis shoes with like the elegant long flowing skirt to like hide your ankles and your legs, 
which is something I started noticing with a lot of my other Asian friends that have been mimicking that kind of street style from Korea and Japan. So I can probably see why. I like the long flowy the, pants. Those ones are cool. The long the, flowy the pants. Shoes, whatever that combination uh, is. I feel like that's still a very like Japanese or Korean thing. No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I'm agreeing with you. That oh, I yeah. Like okay. <laughs> yeah, the street style is like, used, it's very nice. Yeah. But it's very different from like the American street style, which is very like cut slim almost at times. You know, the slit on the um, dress is what's considered very sexy and hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> leg exposure, am I right? Yeah, no, yeah, no, exactly. More leg, more leg. Yeah. Leg days, yeah. So is I, it. I swear I'm missing in- something about this, but. We can move on to the next one. <laughs> oh, well, I was okay, a quick question is so is it the same like in Ultimate Games where most of the times you get like two options and you select one that no? Okay. Mm-mm, no. For these, at least for chapters, I think that pff, I forgot what Voltages was called already. I think I mentioned it last week. Love Shrek? Love Shrek. Love Shrek episode and chapters. Chapters does it, or chapters, dear God, that's ours. Choices. Choices does it differently. That one definitely has multiple love interests. Um, I believe that. Actually, I think all three of those do. I think ours is different because we are adapting from romance novels, mm-hmm. and those typically just have one love interest. And then in the case of the other three apps that I mentioned, I believe that most of their content is designed um, in-house. So they come to the story knowing that they want three or four or more love interests in their stories. And... Those are definitely more like your typical um, Otome game, I think. Ah, uh, you're going to okay. be playing. Yes, you're going to be playing a main story. I think you guys have seen that if you've with any of the games you played. I'm not really sure. Some of them, um, like mobile games nowadays, just kind of like you just go down the same path, and then you can choose to hang out, hang out, hang out with like various love interests at various points in the story and then usually there's going to be a point of no return for like the end game where it's like okay so which person comes to your rescue and then you know who you choose ends up being like your love interest for the rest of the thing it's more like that rather than classic otome game where you would choose a specific boy's route and that's absolutely done because that saves money because you're not making completely new routes for each and every single one of these individuals rather you're making special content that's kind of... It's almost like you're slotting in special content for each of these characters and, like, you know, just just giving that um, to the, uh, the... the What's the word? The players. I was like, I can, I can speak. And then you're just giving, like, various types of routes to the players that they can choose between. But, like, overall, the experience is not too different between each person. Got it. All right. Well, I've asked enough questions. I got to hand it to the other two before we run out of time. So uh, whoever wants to go first, just take it away. <laughs> I hope I'm helping. I actually, I actually have to have one question. Yes. And it's uh, related more towards the game narrative. Um, because both you and I, we both played the game Hades, which is Hades. absolutely renowned for its story narrative. And the fact that when you press different story options or different dialogue options, and different yes. items that you interact with, it changes the course of the story. But in the sense of chapters, you are adapting a particular book and setting and premise. How do you go about, or what's your process usually when you come up with these choices that change the way that the character progresses through the route mm-hmm. or derails it completely? Mm-hmm. So 
First off, since you mentioned Hades, I got to mention that my my Google Meets background that nobody on the podcast who's listening or nobody listening to the podcast can hear. It's Transistor. Woo! My background's Transistor. It's my favorite game of all time. Tied with Borderlands 2. Shout out to Supergiant and Gearbox. Hire me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So to answer your question, it's not an industry secret, but it's pretty funny because this is where you get to learn the illusion of choice. So the illusion of choice is a game narrative mechanic idea. I don't know how to describe it, but the illusion of choice basically means we present you with flavor text options and flavor text being you change what is being said, but you don't change what's actually happening where your choices matter in terms of what you read and what you experience, but you will always start from point A, you will always go to point B, C, D, etc., and you will always end up at point Z. So the progression from A to Z will look a little bit different per player, but there is no kind of derailing from what that okay. main track is. So it's... If you guys you guys have played something like Mass Effect before, right? Or like at least know... I've of, seen videos for okay. it, yeah. So Mass Effect is a game where you make a lot of choices, and you can control a lot of things in that game. But that is, you can kind of use that as an illusion of choice example because you get to do all of these things and you get to choose how your Commander Shepard acts and you get to be your own Commander Shepard. But you will get to the end of the game one way or the other. But in that situation, you will still hit like one of three endings or something like that. I, for, I forget. Mass Effect 3 has four endings and no one likes them (laughs) (laughs) so and and in those situations it's like you get to play out as these characters um but you don't really change the story too much if that makes sense like you will still hit the main beats that everyone else hits mass effect's a little different because they have a lot more space to work with and you do actually change a lot of things significantly depending on what you do so that's not Mm -hmm. the greatest comparison So, yeah, but in mobile games, it's kind of like everyone is on the same train track. You diverge a little bit here and there, but you all eventually come back to that main track. So Okay, yeah, that makes sense, considering that most of the Otome guides, because like we were talking about in the last podcast that Isabel would be the type that looks for guides, all of these guides would be somewhat similar Mm -hmm. and only changes based on a select number of points that you go towards, like you select and or based on relationship points if you fail to press any of those right buttons right. <laughs> for the, your choices, right? Exactly. Is that, okay, is that any any follow-up for that one? Or that one oh, is, no, 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 no. Oh. I just wanted to hear you talk more about it. Oh, you, okay. No, yeah. I, I'm trying to think. Like, That's exactly what it is, though. It's like those guides are a really good representation of this because it's like they've tested this out for you, you know, in the sense mm-hmm. that they went ahead and like went through the story and chose both paths or all three paths or whatever. And they figured out, you know, and this is, and that's why I was just like, is this an industry secret? And then I was like, not really. You can kind of figure it out if you're trying to break the game or like trying to analyze the game piece by piece. Um, Yeah, it doesn't, you don't significantly change anything or else you would have had to account for people choosing wildly different things that wildly change the outcome of your game. And in mobile, 
that's a lot of money to be able to have to write all right. of those paths yeah. or all of those different choices you can make. So that's what I mean by illusion of choice. It's not a bad thing also. Like, I hope that this doesn't come out, like come off like I'm bashing it on or anything. It's a very normal technique used in various games. But it's just a way to engage the player without, I don't know, committing too much, re too much of your own resources to it. Like one of the less about money and more about resources type of things is kind of like an Easter egg type thing. So if you make this kind of choice and that choice and then this one and also that, you might find this Easter egg. But how many people are going to find that mm -hmm. Easter egg? Maybe mm -hmm. 10. Um, right. So it's up to you to make that cost benefit analysis of like how many people are going to see this piece of content in my game. And is it okay? Like, you know, Easter eggs are supposed to be fun. And it should only be a couple people who find it and then they'll share it and be like, oh, look at this cool thing I found. Like, that's whoopsies. I found my <laughs> water bottle. Um, like, that's a cool thing to share. Uh, but when, you, when it comes to something like a mobile game, you, the way that I always thought about it was like least, least common denominator, where you wanted to reach out to as many audiences as you could. So you wanted to make it not as generic, but that's kind of where that leads. You wanted to make it as accessible. That's a much better way mm -hmm. to put it. You wanted to make it accessible to as many people as possible. So you could kind of give that content around. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I guess like my last question is still somewhat remained in the, the choices department for I've never played a, a, an episode from mm. chapters or from choices, okay. but I do have <laughs> experience playing in other Ultimate games offended. where the majority of the time that you press on various choices that you have yes. on the screen, there's only so few. And when you press one, there's no turning back at that point. Mm -hmm. Versus in games like Mass Effect, where you have a number of choices, including investigative choices, you can also go back and press on previous choices that you didn't pick before. So like, let's say uh, the character will say like, they'll ask mm -hmm, a question, mm -hmm. the patient, the whoever the, the second character is will respond back, and then you still have that same menu of choices mm -hmm, available mm -hmm. for you to continue picking around. Does uh, chapters also exhibit a similar... I guess, system to, to give you that same illusion of choice or is it still limited to like the three or four choices that you can only pick and not go back, but it still kind of converges in the same route all the way to Right. Most of these Western games definitely do the not Mass Effect one you described where it's like okay, you the, the choice pops up, you have like three or four choices, you pick one and you move forward. There's a couple okay. of, I think choice, I think choices does this. Choices does have things that are investigative light like you mentioned with mass effect where you you do those investigation question investigation questions um and i think that the way that choices does it is that they'll send they'll show you a list of like four items or like mm -hmm. it's either a list or pictures i don't remember which one but they'll show you like a list of four items and then you click on them in whatever in technically in whatever you order you choose but you have to click on each of them before the story continues so it's kind of like Mass Effect where in certain situations you kind of need to ask all of the questions before you move forward. And that does give kind of an illusion of choice almost where you keep, you know, you keep at that. Um, I think, yeah, no, most, most, most uh, Otome games definitely focus on those like main three choices that you make throughout the game. And then they'll hit Got you it. with it every okay. some 
lines or something. So to keep you engaged with the story. I see. Okay, so Mm -hmm. it does add like more of an element of pressure because it's kind of like you're emulating like a love life. You know, you can't, you know, go back on your words or anything. Yeah, like a different choice. So I guess I can see what that kind of formula that they have as compared to like Mass Effect where you do have a diversity of options to choose because it's more investigative heavy than anything right. else. And you have a lot more space to be nuanced in something like Mass oh, Effect, of course, right? I mean, like, it's, it's a PC game. It's a full, yeah. yeah, it's a full-on PC game where the point of the story is that nuance of building out who you are in this, you know, RPG. So yeah, mm-hmm. but then like in something like a romance sim, the... The reason that it's so limited is because you want to step into this role of this romance character. And there's only so many choices, I think, that you could have that make a romance sim engaging in different ways. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And actually, yeah. my last final question, no, okay. because yeah. I realized like the other two are like more narrative game heavy. I'm going to go a little bit lighter now. <laughs> I hope that all of you Was nerds there... hearing this enjoy all my game design and narrative design travel. Like, I'm just... Yeah mumbling on <laughs> you're just spouting it yeah. you're just giving us a fountain of Please. knowledge um on a more lighter note during your time at chapters was there or were there any projects that you really do like despite the fact that afterwards you did experience a burnout yeah there <laughs> you don't have to like name anything if it's under nda yeah, i was about to but say I was there like, was mm. yeah that's okay but if there were like and like uh, an experience that you really liked that the collaborative effort working in um, chapters, I think would be enlightening for a lot of us because most of us work like day-to-day jobs. I work in a laboratory. I don't know what this kind of business <laughs> is and in collaboration. I work at my desk at a lab bench. I make dilutions. <laughs> okay. That's hilarious. So. Well, hey, my job, my job is emailing a lot of people. I guess that's speaking. Um, but yeah, so one of the projects I really liked was a character-driven one. Where I, so as background for me, I love character design. I love designing a bajillion characters that I'll never be able to use in a game for just my free time. Like that's, that's my favorite part about video games. That's why I obsess over shipping. And that's why I really like the mobile games with the really cute girls because I ship them all together with each other. And that's why I design characters because I want to make characters who are cool. (laughs) I don't like, it's such a simple reason, but I'm just like, that's the most fun thing that I can do with my life make characters that are cool. I, I wish, I hope they're cool. But the job that I ended up doing was actually a project that was never published. So I, obviously I can't okay. tell too many details of it. But basically the premise was you get to go on, so rather than a full-on like 19, 20 chapter, chapters game, you would be able to do a series of one-shots with these characters and I got to design one of those characters from scratch. So it was supposed to be sort of like a purely original content thing. Um, that was probably the most fun I got to do because I got to design the story from start to finish. I got to design the character from start to finish. And I got to just make it as fun and wacky as I possibly could. And like, I was basically really unhinged with this character. Um, I'm trying to like figure out how many details I can give. I'll just describe the character, but my these characters were supposed to be based on different kind of idea. Like we all had, there was just one underlying theme that connected all the characters that I won't say what it was, but my characters kind of not kind of archetype or like career type was a K-pop idol. So what I got to do. Okay. Yeah. So I got to just design this K-pop idol character and um, 
and like create a story from start to finish where it's just like, oh, how do you meet the K-pop idol? What kind of person are they like? What kind of things are they going to do for you? Um, and like one of the cool things that I felt I got to do was I wanted to, one of them to take place in Korea. So then I just did a ton of research on very cool places around Seoul and like places that I would very much like to visit myself now that I've looked them <laughs> all up. But then like one of the stories was supposed to be you go to Seoul with your honey and you just walk around that city with them. And it was supposed to be kind of like, oh, you're some American, you know, person. And you end up being with this, whoa, super Ooh, famous. Oh, I already hear the romance simulation. <laughs> yeah, like I, I yeah, like, <laughs> I wish I could say so much more because it was so much fun to write. But it's that kind of thing where I get to kind of go into fanboy mode a little bit more and just be like, okay, so if I, if I were in Korea right now and I want to date with a K-pop star, where would I want to go and what kind of trouble would I run into? Because that was the other thing, too. Like, you can't just design it to be a romance. It has to be a romantic drama because that's how romance works. Um, and then I was like, oh, well, if it's a famous Korean pop star, then they're just going to be like paparazzis or something, right? And then I was like, okay, well, we can design a choice around paparazzis. It's like, oh, your Korean pop star gets... I'm also making this up on the fly, by the way. This is not in any of Yeah, it feels like we're, like, making a game right now. Yeah, I, I well, like it. that's, see, see, that's like the, the kind of mindset that you have. You're just like, okay, well, here's my characters. And what, what kind of situations can we drop them in right now? Um, so we're in Korea. We're on the middle of this street and your K-pop you know, boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever is trying really hard to stay anonymous. But suddenly there are like paparazzis that come by and like fangirls that come by demanding their picture. What do you do? And then that's how, kind of how the thought process of doing that is. And that's the kind of job that I wa was expecting and wanted to do from the start rather than purely adaptation work. There's a lot of fun creativity to be done when it comes to adaptation work, but kind of that from scratch narrative design was the most fun that I've had at that job in a long time. And I'm really sad that it didn't actually become a full-fledged project. Um, if it ever does, I'm going to play it and hope that they don't butcher my character. <laughs> Hell, I would play I, it too. That sounds yeah, really fun and entertaining. Exactly. And, and it's one of those things where... If you hear something like that and if it gets you excited, imagine me being like, oh, I love reading all like that's that's why I love designing things for people, because I like I'm I'm vain as hell. I want to share things with people and just be like, do you like it? If you do, tell me so I can feel good <laughs> about myself. <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's just like I want to design things that people enjoy or the thing people appreciate. And that's kind of like the most fun that I have. And that's kind of why um, working in mobile made it feel a little soul sucking or like like soulless work almost, at least for this particular angle. All my coworkers are incredible and the job, you know, I got money for my job and I was solidly okay at my job. But it's just like the actual sitting down and designing of these stories just felt like not what I wanted to do. And a lot of my coworkers were really good at it where they're just like, oh, I know how to write this and I know how to do this for an audience. And I'm just like, I am very terrible at audience analysis. <laughs> and I'm just like, I want to do things that I want to do. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sell. <laughs> That's what I learned very quickly. My opinions don't sell, uh, at least for a kind of generalized audience. And that's, um, I think that's the fun of it, is finding out what part of it you like. Or if you hate all of it, that's really good experience too. Like that's that's always good experience and i hope everyone out there who isn't who hasn't worked in entertainment industry or creative industry at all um 
I've, I always get this fear that people hearing me complain about some, something that sounds like a super cool, fun job are just like, yeah, but you get to do that fun, cool thing every day of your life. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it made me hate it for like an entire year that I was unemployed. Right, yeah. So the fact that you get burnout, it should be a very clear indicator that yeah. it is not something that you're suited for. It's something that clearly makes you unhappy. Yeah. And if you continue doing it for so long, you're just going to become like a bitter and spiteful person. So I'm glad Absolutely. that it was something that you, it was a lesson that you took out of it mm -hmm. and something that you continue to incorporate into your growth as you continue going into a different industry or continue going to the same industry. Yeah. Well, I am in a different industry. If, you know, mm -hmm. next week we can talk about manga editing. We are not, but that's <laughs> a little surprise about right. Jack's current day job. So, <laughs> If anyone ever looked at my Twitter, you would know. But yeah, that's my day job. If anyone ever has questions, let me know. It's on your Twitter. It is oh, on yeah, my I, Twitter. Isabel, you got I questions? I want to know about special events, though. Are those fun? Because yeah. you know how in games, like, if Valentine's Day will roll around, that's a huge thing. <laughs> Or, you know, obviously for this type of dating sim. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I didn't do any of those for this company. I don't think, I don't think we did any of that. I wish okay, we did. Was, that sounds like well, fun, but. Yeah, do you like those events though? Like, or like, do you have a favorite event that you've played in an Otome game maybe? That you might oh, want you, to mirror? you just mean like different, like the, like your classic romance moments, you mean? I thought you yeah, meant like. Yeah, or just kind oh, of birthday events or stuff like that. Or oh, okay. were so, you ever involved yeah. in any of those? Or maybe the special episodes, like the Easter eggs that you mentioned, like mm -hmm. in special episodes um, in in the routes or something. Yeah. So these ones, so the games that I worked on didn't have those kind of in-game mm -hmm. content, at least while I worked on them. Might have changed since then. Uh, we didn't have that type of Easter egg content or like birthday content. Although I wish they did because I'm used, I'm also used to that from mobile game playing. And I play an ungodly amount of cute girls rhythm game mobile games so i like seeing all of that birthday content and i do wish that a tome game or you know these the game that i had worked on had those things because i think that it would have been a really fun pop of just extra content to have in the game um but no we didn't actually work on those but i can say that one of my current obsession obs <laughs> obsessions is a uh, project sekai which is one of those cute girls and also there are like six boys romance game or romance game i wish it was a romance game rhythm game and they have super cute um birthday lives where they'll do like a like a live to not live 2d like a 3d cg of the characters interacting on stage and like singing a song oh, so like a concert Yes, it's 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 actually Ooh. exactly a concert. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's totally a concert. It's a concert, and then they just like have really cute character interactions of oh, happy birthday character, blah. blah. It's just very normal five minutes, but it's a really fun like five minute extra content that you have on one specific day for your favorite character. Which reminds me that one of my favorite characters is coming up. I think if I remember what her birthday was, <laughs> I'm looking it up now. If Good, timing, it? Good timing, isn't it? Good timing. Yeah, you're reminding me that I really should know. Do I remember this? Oh, yep. Her birthday is April 30th. So oh, We're almost there. I'm glad we gave you the we're reminder. We're almost there. You gave me a reminder. In a week, it's going to be uh, Anna's birthday. So anyone who plays Project Sekai, make sure you say happy birthday to Anna in, like, <laughs> on April 30th. <laughs> and if you don't, do it anyway at the, at the Project Sekai website or something or Twitter or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> 
But yeah, other than that, did you play your own game after it's finished or after maybe you finished writing something, you'd go you actually download the game and play it too? Or how long would you spend on that? A lot of the um, kind of QA, which is quality assurance or sometimes called QC, which is quality check. Um, a lot of that required me to play it multiple times over um, to make sure that there were no typos, that none of the um, paths broke. So basically what I did was just grab an Android and just play through the game on my phone. And then um, I like like how Agnes actually said that you can't rewind. We, we When you test it, you can rewind. So you just kind of like rewound the... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you, you just reround the game a little bit so you could choose each of the choices and just like make sure that there's no typo, make sure that all of the choices worked. Um, that's really all it was. I Again, I didn't, th- this content did not vibe with me at all. So I did not want to engage with it more than I needed to. But I think the funny thing is, it was um, the, the like Reddit page for this happened to find like all of the weird easter eggs that i it's not even easter eggs it's just random references that it would make and they would post about it on reddit and that's what was really funny whenever i when i didn't even like look for this reddit but people would just show it to me and be like were you the one who wrote this and i'm like maybe maybe i was (laughs) the one who wrote that and the qa team is like no definitely you're the one who wrote that we know you wrote that i'm like well well the funny thing is that the qa team said that they always played a game whenever they were reading the the game so they would have to play, you know, every single game that came their way because they're like the best people for checking for those bugs and stuff. Um, but they would never ask who was what. They would always like just screenshot um, out of context lines and then they w- they posted it in their own like Slack channel. And then they were like, so which editor wrote this? Do you know? Apparently they play that game a lot. And apparently people guess that I wrote something a lot and were wrong. <laughs> So anytime I guess it sounded like a troll comment or like something like a really obscure reference, they assumed it was me. I think half the time they got it right. And then the other half of the time they were just like, it sounds weird. I think it's Jack. And I was like, I like this reputation. <laughs> it's kind of a, a notoriety that you so down left it. such an impact on chapters. Even. <laughs> no, was, I don't even know about that. I, I just, I literally put a Mulan reference or a I'll make a man out of you reference in one line. And then the, the Reddit post got like, I don't think it's that active of Reddit, but it got like 50 likes or something and I was, or 50 upvotes or something. And I was like, that's a lot more than I expected people to care about this line. <laughs> and it's just one of those things where when you see people getting excited over it or something, I'm just like, nice. Me too. <laughs> I wrote that, but me too. But yeah, I like how you pulled in all those references and even pulling from other things, even anime like Orin High School. Oh, God. Yeah. Orin Horse High School Club. Mm-hmm. I never tried to look for that on the Reddit. I really should have and just seen if people caught it. But usually these were things that people told me. I don't really seek it out on my own. And I don't know. That's like the most interesting part about making something. Seeing people's re- Like I said, I'm a vain person, so I like it when you compliment my work. But I'm also just like, I don't seek it out actively on my own because I know people are going to hate on it because that's just naturally how people work. Some people don't like things. <laughs> so I'm just like, I avoid the hatred sometimes. So please don't tell me if you hate my work. No, no, we will not accept it. <laughs> I will not allow such slander. <laughs> no, it's okay. Please slander me. I love getting no, roasted. Grace is I very just smile protective back. of her constituents. What was that? I am. I am. Protective of her constituents. Let her be. Constituents. My God. (laughs) 
very protective of me, but apparently not respectful enough to me to remember that I was part of the episode at the beginning oh, of the episode. Oh, God. <laughs> Ooh, nice roast, man. Oh, God. Nice roast. <laughs> oh, God. Are we really calling back to that, huh? <laughs> All right. Yes, we are, Gracie. We're reaching close to the hour now. So, Isabel, do you have any last questions you want to ask Jack or before I wrap it up? Because we do have time for one more question. Yes, hit me. Uh, no, that's actually all the questions I have. Did any did any of you guys have uh, additional one, perhaps? Or nope, I am good. No, I'm all good. Cool. Alrighty then. All well, right, sounds good to me. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you to Jack for sharing his personal experience working in a romance simulation company and you know answering our many many questions i hope the people listening have really enjoyed his insights and yeah i you hope know, you like my voice dear god i talked way too much this episode no i think i i mean your voice is good <laughs> but cool. in regards to hopefully uh some of our questions we asked were ones that you were curious about but if you guys obviously do have more questions for jack please feel free to reach out to him uh, on I've tagged him before on our Twitter, so I will tag tag him again for this week's episode when we promote it and it is out. But we will be going Me. back to our regularly uh, scheduled program next week with just a roundtable discussion, kind of more similar to the first Ultimate Game episode rather than an interview per se. So uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode, and I hope you guys will still be here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll see y'all eventually. Later. Woo!